Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Hot Stuff Society radio show at the Hot Stuff Society kitchen. We are here at uh, Hotel Andra on uh, 4th and Virginia, right across from the Dahlia Bakery. If you've never had breakfast there, you should owe it to yourself. It's a nice little breakfast. Or you could go down this morning. We, we had to go around the people waiting in front of Lola, right downstairs. I mean, there was a line outside on the sidewalk. Oh, boy. It's beautiful to watch. I think a restaurant with a line is a testimony to I hope our what's egg going on inside. Is, is feeling uh, up to the challenge this morning. <laughs> yeah. This is Pamela Inkley, or oh, director the egg of the show. Yeah. And the other voice you hear today, I have a wonderful co-host, Mr. Amandino Batali. Ooh. Abantino, welcome to the show. Thank you. I can't believe it. I could not wish for a better co-host. Well, I'm not going to say that in front of Tom because he's going to go, what do you mean? But, you know, Tom, Tom is not here. He decided to go golfing in Scotland. And uh, so he ditched us. So I found somebody else to replace you, Tom. He's a bit older, but he's very, very <laughs> savvy. Very savvy. And he's been around the world many times just testing and cooking and just like we all do, just like we love to do. Yeah, yeah. Loving you life. Know, your legs is what bring me back. Ah, well, you know, as long as something does, you know, that's all we care about. I mean, my legs. I'm not going to say what I said. Off, that was off, a good one. Offstage, my legs bring yeah. me back. Okay, that's good. We have a big show today. And uh, what else could I say? We record this show on Friday morning at the lovely Hotel Andra and um, really enjoy having a live audience. So you, you guys are a live audience? Show me yeah. your live audience. Yeah. All right. We have about 877 people in the room. <laughs> Everybody's masked. No, I'm just kidding. And uh, if you want to buy a ticket, you can go to the Hot Stove website. Join us for breakfast. Lots of coffee. And uh, you can also watch the taping on YouTube live, which is happening right now. You can watch it live or you can watch it semi-live later on YouTube. Uh, what else could I say? We have a big show. We have pick of the season time for cherries. We're very lucky to live in a cherry-producing state. Um, every year, it's a big, big fiesta to just see all those cherries coming around the corner and coming to the market. And it's a beautiful sight. Oh, happy. Also, a big sign of summer is finally here. So we're very excited about that. Uh, we have Hannah Ioannis from Shikorina Pastries coming on board. And uh, can't wait to hear a little story. We also have Taryn Corker from Shark Garden coming on board again and talking to us about what's happening, not with the sharks, but with the garden. Um, Armandino, you will tell us a little bit about your favorite memories of something during your life. Since you're only 49, and, but you've already yeah. lived a full life. Can't wait to hear that. Okay. Thank you. And then uh, we finally, at the end, we'll play our favorite game of Tasty Trivia, food questions, and can't wait to see what's going on today. What is the theme? Any theme today? It's vegetable-focused in Ooh. honor of Karen. Ah, because Karen will be, Taryn will be coming on and play with us. That's exciting. All right, but first, Mr. Armandino, do you have a taste of the week? We play this little game with Tom every week. It's curious you say that. My taste of the week is cured tongue. No. Cured tongue, yeah. We uh, used to make this at Solumi all the time. Excuse the voice. But uh, it takes about seven weeks, and it just happened to be finished this week. 
So I live in a retirement home, and everybody is a tongue lover. <laughs> is it a French building? No, just kidding. Um, wow, that's very cool. So you shared it. I shared it, yeah. And they were impressed. <laughs> well, I mean, I think, I think that it's a misconception for most people who have never had it or don't know exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. Because it is true, Q-Tongue is really delicious. It's not... I know it sounds kind of weird to most people. My wife especially always say, I would never eat a tongue. But, you know, it's kind of like, why not? You got to eat the whole beast. Did yeah. you cure it? I did. In your own kitchen? I did. Ah. You know, talking about that, and I know Tom <clears throat> mentioned it last time, I, I'd be happy to share recipes with you people. I think I we're going to hear from the listeners on yeah, that I'm one. Yeah, I'm sure we're going to have some very um, anxious people wanting to go and know, how do you cure a tongue? Seven weeks, yeah. though. All I can say is very slowly. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not that complicated to do, actually. It's, no, a, it's actually quite simple. But you'll take the lead on that, and um, we'll see how many people want to know. And thank you for offering the, uh, the recipe. Whatever. That's very cool. Whatever. We'll talk a little bit more about that later, about how you make things like this at home, safely. Because yeah. I think it's, it's a thing that people are not necessarily aware is how do you cure and how do you make this kind of uh, dishes at home. It can be done. Yeah, it can be done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My it's taste of the fun. week is going to be a summer salad that I love. I've made it probably already like six, seven times maybe. It's a watermelon <clears throat> base with watermelon on it. It's basically a Greek salad with watermelon and anise salt, which is a beautiful uh, leaf that gives you kind of a cut between uh, anise tarragon and fennel flavor added into it. So I t and for the dressing, I take the watermelon, I squeeze it, put a little Dijon mustard, harissa, and olive oil, and mix all those vegetables so it's diced cucumber, feta cheese, black olive, um, onion, tomato, and watermelon, and it makes this fantastic summer salad. It's really delicious. It's a great thing to bring to a party because there's always more than you need, and it's also easy to just serve and to bring with you. It's ready. You just bring the bowl with you and, um, you know, finish with the anise ice up at the end. It's so delicious. It, it was harissa? Yeah, oh, yeah, a little bit of harissa, you know, in the, mu in the mustard. Mustard, harissa, watermelon juice, and olive oil. Makes a great dressing. And I make a lot, you know, a lot of liquid dressing, so I macerate the whole thing together for a couple hours. Is harissa typically French? It's more Moroccan. Well, we'd like to think it is now. No, I mean, harissa is definitely part of uh, North Africa. You make your own too? No. I've only made it once, and I decided that it's one of those things. It's like, have you ever made tomato paste? Yes. Would you make tomato paste? No. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's as good of a tomato paste yeah. in the market, and it's, it's a pain in the neck to make. Yeah. So, no, I don't make it. I just buy it. Uh, there is some great product, especially Villa Gerada has a fantastic harissa. Um, he's got other great things like hummus and things that we like, tahini. And, His you know. tahini is the best, yeah. I think, in the market. Definitely delicious. Anyway, it's, uh, it's my taste of the week, and I stick to it, and I recommend that if you do a picnic or if you do anything... Summary or go to someone's house. It's a great salad to make ahead of time. And if you want, wonderful. Yeah, it's fresh. Mm -hmm. and it's, you know, it's summery and light. Great appetizer or even an entree. 
Mm. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk cherries as we love them so much. The only thing I don't like is to have to pit them, but we'll make that somebody else's job. All right, stay with us on Cairo 97.3 FM. You're in the Hot Stove Society kitchen. We are back in the kitchen at the Hot Stove Society at Hotel Andra, corner of 4th and Virginia, every Friday morning from 9 to 11, live on YouTube. And, oh, you can podcast us. You can find us in many different places. But most importantly, start with TomDouglas.com and go to the site and click on the link to the YouTube channel. All right. Amandino. Yes. You know, we're very famous. Washington State is famous for at least one or two things, one of them being cherries. You know, this time of year yeah, we yeah, have, yeah. especially a year like this year, which is so weird because this year is, everything is so late. Yeah, that we have cherries at the same time as blueberries. and I mean, it's kind of strange this year. We have a little mix, more mix than we normally have. Um, I know that my wife is a florist, Kathy is a florist, and she's stunned that we have peonies at the same time as dahlias, oh. which is something that normally doesn't happen. Really? Well, peonies normally peonies. come first, and then yeah. the dahlia come later, especially in Seattle. So everything is a little bit twisted, and you know we're three, four weeks behind schedule, but the cherries are hitting the market really strongly, and you know the two most, f- you know, famous, I guess, will be Bing and Rainier. Yeah. You know, the dark and the and the light. Uh, do you have a favorite dish to make oh, cherries with? Oh, of course. Um, I'm amazed that the price has not dropped. I've obviously it's a shortage or late or something. Well, we had a very very bad spring for yeah. cherries. You know, I don't know if you remember, but we had snow and frost in spring. And I remember Tom going, he was going to Prosser to his farm, you know, see Jackie. And he was saying, oh, my God, we might not have any cherries this year. Well, one of my favorite recipes, family recipes, is cherries and grappa. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Fresh cherries. And all you do is cut the stem down to about quarter inch so they don't soften. And then you make your own grappa, which is, I think, legal now. I do have a still in a small laboratory. I love love when you start by saying, and you make your own grappa. Most people are going to buy grappa, okay? They're not going to make it. If they do, they're probably going to blow their face up with with the pressure cooker they tried to make it with. Did you say you have a small still? Uh, Yes. <laughs> I, I how do I get on the wait list for this retirement home? You get fresh tongue. There's a still on premises. Like this is where I, I want to be. We won't give you the address of the retirement home. We don't want anyway, them to get arrested. You take the cherry fresh, cut the, the stem down to short, and just put it in grappa and uh, sugar water. You you cut the grappa from about. 150 proof down to half, 75. Seal them up and leave them for a couple months. They're absolutely incredible. Yeah. When I was a kid, my dad used to do that. He used to do that with chestnut, and he used to do oh. when they were green chestnut, and do that as an aperitif. You know, by January, you'd have six months later, you'd have this wonderful aperitif. But, he, you know, bitter and everything. But he also used to do the grappa with the cherries. Yeah. Put the cherries in a big jar, in the, put that in the cellar for like three, four months. And then, you know, you'd have dinner and he'd go, you guys want a little digestive? And he'd bring a 
those little glasses, like yeah. cherry glasses, and put the grappa and the cherry in there. I was actually, it was, I remember you were like 15 years old and you're trying that. You're like, damn, this thing is good. <laughs> I mean, the, the grappa is obviously strong. You know, it's amazing what we've learned from our parents about treating people. And maybe I can talk about that. Hospitality is always based around food and oh yeah, and some kind of booze of some sort. Yeah, I mean it's it's, it's because you don't need a lot, and uh, I mean even in the poorest of house. I mean my parents used to, you'd come to my house close to dinner. They say, oh, just stay for dinner. Yeah, you know my mom would make a big omelet or she would make a big pasta. You know, it wasn't expensive, Sim- simple. But the yeah. fact is, you were. Like you said, you were doing the hospitality thing of yeah. like getting together and having a good time. That's so vital. I, I, you know, your show is so incredible re- relative to hospitality. You two, you and Tom, have created that in this city. And, you know, people love that idea of hospitality. But when you add a little bit of alcohol to that hospitality, <laughs> it really... Culminates in All right. I'm going to have to bring it back to the cherries now. <laughs> Enough talking about us. Uh, back I, I to the like cherries. Armadino's take on it. Though. I know. We you used know. to get two cherries. That was all we were allowed to have. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Two. That's enough grappa. That's for enough it. grappa for a kid. Back to the cherries. I like to use the uh, rainier cherries in salads. I'm a, I love to use cherries in uh-huh. salads because it's a good, especially if you do like, things like feta or you do things like, uh, like a salted cheese. Mixed with the cherries and then haricot vert, which are in season now. We picked our first haricot vert from the garden. You know, you take haricot vert, you blanch them, and then you put you make a nice salad of haricot vert and rainier cherry, white vinegar or uh, apple cider vinegar, and a little mm-hmm. oil, a little mustard because you have to put mustard in there, and then you toss the whole thing together, fresh herbs right on top of that, and serve that. As, you can even serve that as a side to. A cold cut or like a roasted chicken, you know, something of that yeah. nature. It's such a beautiful, fresh, summery salad, you know, next to your entree. And I think it's, the cherries are really, they're nice because they have a little sweetness, but once you put a little vinegar and you put the yeah. green beans next to it or the over, you know, and the mustard, you get this wonderful sweet and sour kind of idea that keeps happening. It's a nice little taste to go with, with your... Do, do they st- you know, I, we used to get pie cherries, very sour. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I haven't seen any. Are they available? Oh, yeah, they, they still have. They're, they're the first one, actually, that come around. Really? They're earlier than the regular cherries. Oh. The, cherry, the pie cherries are the first one to be ready, and they are coming around. But, are they? Um, it's a different, completely different type. I and mean, this is what you use in pies. Yeah. You know, lots of, you put a nice amount of sugar, you macerate them and put them in your pie and make a wonderful... Uh, yeah. You know, sour I haven't pie. seen them in the market. I guess maybe they don't. They don't even... normally, you know, in the market it's hard to find them because they don't last. Oh. Once they're picked, they don't last very well. Okay. You know, the other cherries stay for a week or two, yeah. but the, this yeah. one don't last on the market. Um, the other one, the other classic dessert that we do in the summertime with Bing cherries is uh, clafouti. Oh my goodness. No, no, a nice clafouti, which is, you can do it with a crust or not, but it's really good with a nice little thin uh, sable crust crust, and then put your, your batter in there, which is basically eggs, cream, um, vanilla, sugar, yeah, a little bit of flour, of course, and then... Um, Some help from Terry's wife. Eggs, Thank yeah. Goodness. Kathy, <laughs> Kathy is like finishing the recipe for me. And then uh, cherries that are pitted, and you put all that in a pie, 
And we peed the cherries usually when we make it at home. But when I was a kid, my grandma used to take the cast iron pan, she put the dough in there, she put that in the, in the, in the oven, pre-baked the dough a little bit, then she'd put all the butter in there, and the cherries were not pitted. <laughs> never. I've never. never seen my grandma pit cherries. She was like, you know, if you're dumb enough to not know that there is pits in the cherry, you should not be eating cherries, period. And we should bring this kind of mentality a little bit back to our life, because I think a lot of people are a lot of people are a little bit like, what? I found a pit in my cherries, and I'm like, yeah, did you find a fish bone? No, you found a pit, that's what cherries have. Anyway, side note, but my mom definitely, my grandma definitely never pitted a cherry in her life. She was like, no, you're on your own. Cherries have pits. She still cook well? And oh, no, my grandma is dead. No, she, she passed away, uh, I don't know, 20, 15 years ago already. But uh, back to the, uh, the cherry, also the pits. You know, if you're going to pit your cherry, keep the pits and put them <laughs> into a little grappa. Mm. And six months later, you get this wonderful kind really? of bitter grappa from the pits because the pits have a little bitterness to it. And they give the kind of a cherry but with a bitterness to it. <laughs> Great thing to add to your cocktail as an aperitif. You know, if you do like a, uh, if you're doing a Negroni, for example, you could put that oh, into your Negroni. Sure. That would have a nice little flavor of cherries and See, there's the alcohol and bitterness. Yeah. I mean, we go back to the alcohol every time. You know, we never throw away anything. If, if it's a bone, you put it in a stock. If it's a pit, you put it in booze. If you, why? Because that's uh, one way to keep using it again and again. Yeah. I mean, there is flavor in there. Sustainability. Yeah, and using the whole thing. Never stop. Yeah. All right, you're listening to the Hot Stove Society radio show on in the Hot Stove Society kitchen. Stay with us. We're going to be right back on 97.3 FM Cairo. Okay, welcome back to the Hot Stuff Society radio show in the Hot Stuff Society kitchen. My name is Thierry Rotulo, the chef in the hat. My wonderful co-host for 22 years, Mr. Tom Douglas, is not here. He's actually in Scotland, golfing his way through the landscape of this gorgeous country. I hope. Probably killing cows. Because <clears throat> he can't shoot. No, I'm just kidding. He's a much better golfer than I am. <laughs> My co-host today is Armandino Batali. Armandino, welcome to the show as well. It's nice to be here. Always nice to have you here. Yep, your smile is creative. Oh, I like that. And First it was my leg, now it's my <laughs> smile. Whoa, we're on a date. <laughs> this is working. Uh, we have a wonderful guest coming up. Uh, Hannah Johansson, did I say that correctly? Johannes. Johannes, I'm sorry. Johannes, sorry. I'm glad you said the name correctly. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Oh, great pleasure. So you have this wonderful little shop on Union Street. No, yeah, on Union, just before 23rd, east of 23rd, um, in the CD district. And I discovered that place, I think... I don't know how long ago, maybe, if, I don't know, maybe three, four months ago. Chicorina, Chicorina, how do you say it? Chicorina? You got it, yeah, Chicorina. Chicorina pastries. Wonderful little spot and uh, in the house. It's beautiful. You go up those stairs, you open the door, and you're in a little hall, and you have a window, and then you place your order of the pastries you're making there um, all day, every day. It's so quaint. 
love the idea. I just think it's very cool the way you're working this. So do tell us a little bit about your background first, and then how did you came to uh, Chicorina? Um, so it's a pretty long story, honestly. Um, but about but we only have yeah. Two I'll hours. keep it short. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> um, but two years ago in 2019, I found the pastry project, which you might be familiar with. Um, so they help people that can't afford to go to pastry school get experience um, and be able to enter the industry with the experience that they need. Um, so I was um, taking some time off from university at the time, and I found this program, and my entire life I've had a big passion for baking, but nothing I ever really explored as a career, and I definitely didn't have any professional experience, so I just figured I would give it a shot. Um, and I told them that it's kind of in this place in my life where I had no idea what I wanted to do, but I love to bake. So this was something um, I wanted to figure out if I wanted to do it for the rest of my <clears> life <throat> as a career, um, or at least just get those professional skills. Right. Um, so I did the program, and I absolutely loved it. And from then, I knew that it was a career I wanted to get into. Um, and I knew that one day I wanted to start my own pastry shop. You already knew that? From that program, yeah. I did not think it was going to be anytime soon. I mean, I was just entering the industry, but um, a lot of things lined up really well. Um, and I was really passionate about getting into the community and sharing my baked goods. Um, so I just worked really hard, and the community was so supportive. Um, and I was able to start my shop last year. Did you ever start making uh, pastries at the market first? No. I didn't. So I graduated from the Pastry Project right as the pandemic was starting. So that was really hard because one of the things the I love most. Pastry Project here in Seattle? They are. They're based oh. in Pioneer Square. Really? It's a Thank really you. great program. I was part of their first cohort. Um, and I think now they're actually taking applications for their next cohort. And they've been like training students um, ever since I graduated. So it's been awesome. Ooh. So then the pandemic started, and then what happened? Um, I still wanted to share my pastries somehow. Um, one of my favorite things about baking is being able to share them with people and you know, bring that joy to others. So I started an Instagram page and was just practicing my baking at home and was posting there. Um, and that got some traction, and people started asking for some of the things I was baking. Um, so I figured that could be my start to one day opening my own shop. And then... So I was working at a local bakery, um, and I was like, you know, just going around trying different places, and I wasn't super satisfied about the kind of sustainability I was stay seeing in some of these bakeries and the types of um, ingredients and quality I was seeing. Um, so I really wanted to start my own space um, where I could really put sustainability at the forefront, as well as making sure that I was sourcing ingredients as locally as possible um so that's what gave me the idea to start an organic all organic bakery um that's also zero waste right so how did you come around finding the space number one and and the founding and all the i mean the, there's a big difference between baking cakes and getting a business <laughs> yeah absolutely. there's a little bit of a step here to go through so how did you get through that honestly i mean during the pandemic pandemic one of my hobbies was just going on zillow and seeing what was selling and seeing all these houses on sale um so i found this beautiful space in the central district um it looks just like a big house but yeah. there is a commercial space on the main floor and then an apartment above and below and i just thought it was beautiful and it would be a perfect space to start my own bakery um, and I had a friend that was interested in getting into real estate. 
Um, and I mean, right now houses are selling like day they post, but this yeah. was on the market for 30 days because there was a commercial space in it. Um, and who's going to find someone to rent a commercial space in, during the pandemic. Right. Um, so it kind of just worked perfectly and we decided to partner together. Good time to sign a lease during the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Smart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was really hard to find the funding. I mean, I was 22, 23 at the time, a young black woman. There aren't many banks that wanted to give me a loan. Um, so I was working like three jobs, just trying to get the capital that I needed. Um, eventually, I also started to go fund me, and the community really stepped up and was really supportive. Um, and I was able to raise about $20,000 that way. Good for you. Um, yeah, but... Um, And my family was also super supportive, so really had a very, very small budget to get everything off the ground, but made it work. Where's your family from? My family is originally from Eritrea, which is in East Africa. Cool. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. excellent. That's beautiful. I mean, to me, I think the way, you know, when you walk to that window into your shop and you look at what you have, it's just like a dining room home. It looks like a, a dining room home where somebody has a counter and bakes from with the ovens and the counter. And you see the, the pastries that you've made for the day. I mean, that strawberry layered cake you gave me the other day was like, oh, that was delicious. You. Well made. The product tastes delicious, tastes fresh. And it tastes, you know, like you said, natural. It's not, you know, it's not junky. It's really good. Thank Have a, you. Congratulations on your, and your muffins too. Good job. Thank you. What uh, flower did you choose to work from? Um, I decided to use a flower of some central milling. Um, they're based in Utah, but they do have some farms in Washington, so the pastry flower I use um, is um, produced in Washington. Um, and is I really it, like using uh, it. Um, available to consumers or only wholesale to bakers? It's available to consumers as oh, well. Oh, so our, our, our listeners bags. could find it? Yeah, absolutely. You can go to their website and you can order everything there. And they have What's some the name wonderful again? flowers. Central milling. Central milling. Mm-hmm. And they have organic and non-organic options as well. Um, uh, so sourcing organic must put a price premium on your ingredients. Mm. Absolutely. Everything is a lot more expensive when you go organic. Um, but for me, it's totally worth it to know that I'm supporting the local economy by getting local ingredients um, and getting the best quality I can. So we're going to take a little break, but when we come back, I'd like to go into some of the desserts you make, some of the pastries you make, and you're going to tell our listener how to make them. Because you learn how to make them. So you're going to tell them some quick tips about what to do and what you learned and not to do. I'm sure you learned a few things during the last year or so. Oh, absolutely. So I can't wait to hear. Stay with us. We're at the Hot Stop Society. Kitchen radio show on Carol 97.3 FM. We are back in the kitchen at the Hostel Society radio show. Here at the Hotel Andra on the second floor, right above Lola. If you're trying to get breakfast right now, you're going to have to wait a little bit. Because I saw that big line outside. Congratulations to all of them. <laughs> um, our guest is Hannah. She has a pastry shop called Chicorina Pastries in the city on Union, almost 23rd. Actually, a point of reference would be to say I'm a half a block away from Communion Restaurant. <laughs> I think a lot of people have heard about Communion the last yeah. couple of years. So 
a great place to uh, landscape. So we were talking about how you get to open your own pastry shop, baking your own goods, and now we're going to talk about what you actually make. What are the desserts you make? And give maybe some tips about what to do and what not to do when you do those. Absolutely. So we make an assortment of American pastries. Um, we do our most popular gourmet Pop-Tarts. Um, we do custom cakes, muffins, an assortment of cookies, um, cheesecakes. Um, and really, it's mostly just based on like my whims and like what kind of pastries I want to eat. And that's kind of how I choose to put on my menu. That's the smile and the beauty about owning your own place. You can go with the whim of the day. <laughs> Today you feel like cherries, you do cherries. You don't have some already pre-made um, status on that, so that's good. Is the gourmet uh, Pop-Tart cherry right now, or what flavor is it? Uh, we have a caramel apple and a strawberry. Nice. Very nice. Mm -hmm. Caramel apple because it's very popular, probably. Absolutely, yes. Your layered cake... Beautiful layered cake, strawberry. Um, what kind of cake is it? Oh, that vanilla cake is our, it's a brown butter vanilla cake. Um, so we brown the butter, um, we let it chill for a bit, and then we mix it in with our vanilla, and it adds like such an exquisite, nutty flavor to it. Yeah, really good. Thank you. And then the strawberry, you make your own strawberry jam kind of. Right? You cook mm -hmm. down your strawberry? Yeah, everything is made in-house. All of our fillings, any add-ons, uh, we make in-house. So How many people jam. do you have working with you? Right now, it's just one other person. <laughs> so and what time do you start in the morning? I usually start around 7, 8 a.m., and then we open at 11.30. And you're there until what time? Pretty late. <laughs> <laughs> um, probably until 10.30 at night, oh. um, just whenever I get things done. What time do you close the shop? We close at 7. So 11 to 7? Uh, yeah, 11.30 to 7. The muffins. Is there a special <laughs> trick to your muffin? Because they're really delicious. Thank you. Um, I've definitely been experimenting with them for a while. I started making them with butter, um, but I actually switched to oil right before you tried them. And I found that gave them like a really nice fluffy texture. It's funny how butter sometimes doesn't work, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I love butter. <laughs> Who doesn't? Butter basically everything, so <laughs> definitely surprised me. <laughs> that's interesting, too. Yeah, that's very cool. The muffin, the cake, and cookies. Your cookies are delicious as well. Thank you. Nice texture, soft, good flavor. The, the, uh, was it a macadamia nut that I had? Or, no, not a nut. Uh, the garam masala oatmeal oh, yeah. chocolate. Garam masala, that was... That sounds like a stunning oh. combination. Yeah, Thank that was really you. delicious. Thank you. Tell us about how you make that. Um, so when we're making cookies, we always want to use the creaming method and start with all room temperature ingredients. So when you're making cookies, I always highly recommend using room temperature butter and eggs. Um, and we'll take our butter and our sugar and whip it for a really long time to make sure that it's all really fluffy. Mm -hmm. And then when we add the eggs, uh, make sure it's all mixed in um, very homogenous um, before we add any of the flour and then when you're adding the flour, make sure not to mix it too much. Otherwise, you'll develop too much of the gluten in the flour. Right. Um, and that all really helps to make sure that you end up with a really nice, soft cookie. And any molasses or anything like that in there? Um, just some really dark brown sugar. Yeah, because it's, um, it's probably what helps it, keeping it soft like that. It's mm -hmm. beautiful texture. 
Thank yeah, I mean, at those cookies, you should definitely buy a little dozen over there. It's actually, if you buy a dozen, you're going to clean up the store. So don't only buy three. <laughs> so what is the worst? What is the worst nightmare that has happened in the last since you've opened your store? Oh, you had to go there. I had to go there because I. I mean, you know, people need to know. Yeah. It's How, not always success. It's hard. There are failures. Yeah, I mean, doing custom cakes, it's such an honor to be part of people's special moments. We do a lot of weddings, birthday cakes, baby showers, things like that. And it's always been my biggest fear to, like, mess up someone's cake or forget a cake, especially, like, when I'm running things for myself. Um, it can be really difficult. Um, so recently I did mess up a cake, and it was the wrong flavor. And that was kind of a disaster because... You know, it was for like a really like important birthday, but they did were they, did they really still like it? Oh yeah, they were. I mean, they thought it was delicious, but I mean, I was still horrified to have, like. It's such a big deal, you know. Birthdays and these big events are special to people, and like we take that really seriously. Oh yeah, um, so people luckily, come and see you for that special event, so mm-hmm. they're counting on you to come through. Yeah, but luckily they still like the cake. So, what was the flavor that got changed? Uh, they wanted a brown butter vanilla, and we had done the spiced carrot. <laughs> So it's definitely like a huge different cake. <laughs> that is definitely a different. Big, yeah. But actually, I think I've had that carrot cake the first time I went to see you, and I think it, it was really, really good for a carrot cake. And I'm not a carrot cake fan. Me either. But I thought that was really good. Thank you. Yeah, honestly, like when I first started the bakery, I was like, I'm never going to make carrot cake. I hate carrot cake. Yeah. I'm kind <laughs> of the same way. I'm like, for it. not a big lover of carrot cake, but yeah. But I worked really hard on it, and I was able to finally make a carrot cake that I really enjoyed, and it's been really popular. You know, so if I order the chocolate cake, you're going to give me a carrot cake. Is that how it works? Surprise <laughs> you. <laughs> what would you recommend for anybody to go there and try for the first time? They're going to come to your shop. Um, I now you're going to have millions of people showing up at your door. <laughs> I hope so. Um, I highly recommend our chocolate chunk cookies. Um, they're really delicious. We use a mix of two different dark chocolates from Theo's, which is also re- local. Um, and it's topped with some sea salt, and it's just exquisite. And then, of course, our Pop-Tarts. Uh, you can't go wrong with the gourmet Pop-Tart. Gourmet Pop-Tarts. I love the name of those two things together, <laughs> gourmet and Pop-Tart. Does Chicarina have a special meaning to you, the name? It does. Um, in my family's native language, Chicarina means sweetness or sweetheart. It's like a term of endearment. And if you shorten it to Shakur, it means sugar. So it kind of felt fitting for a bakery and kind of like that sweetness I like to bring into people's lives. Her name is Hannah. She will bake your cookies. What is your address? 2418 East Union Street. 2418. Right in the heart of the Central District. Beautiful. You know, a great we're... neighborhood. Go <laughs> yeah. visit Hannah. Absolutely. Please. <laughs> Thank you. Parking is a little bit tricky, but you park on the street. I park on the street illegally twice so far, so I've been successful at <laughs> not getting a ticket. I've been, I've been getting Most no tickets, so it. that's good. But both times I park illegally. Cause you know, with, with your smile and enthusiasm, you're nothing but a success. Oh, thank Beautiful. you so much. It's such a pleasure, honestly, to be own my own bakery, so I, I love it. Congratulations. Stunning. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah, great pleasure, and, and all the best of success. Thank you. All right, coming up in the second hour, stay with us. We have Taryn Roker from the Shock Garden coming up, <laughs> and uh, we're going to be talking to her about what's growing up in the garden, and uh, Armandino is going to talk about some of his favorite memories of... Food, wine, and just big laughs. 
when we come back. Stay with us on Cairo 97.3 FM. We are back in the kitchen at the Hot Stuff Society Radio. Actually, we are back at the Hot Stuff Society Kitchen. My name is Thierry Rotiro. I'm the chef in the hat. This is our second hour. We have a long hour coming up. We have Theron Corker from Shark Garden, who's going to tell us all about it. I'm going to read the uh, purpose statement you have on your website oh, thanks, man. about the Shark Garden, because I think it's a beautiful statement. Our garden is many things to many people. We are one part school garden and one part community garden and one part botanical garden. It is all brought together by hardworking volunteers and community support. Overall, we are teaching garden where all can come to learn. What a beautiful statement. Thank you. Yeah, and it is a gorgeous place. I Thank mean, it's, the work you do over there is pretty impressive. So let's start from the beginning. Sure. How old is it? How did this come around? How old is it? Yeah, we started... Just to give our listener a little review of that. Yeah, we started in 2015 as a little school garden. Uh, we're located at Newscart High School in Burien, Washington. It's a magnet school for at-risk youth in the Highland School District. Uh, so they just had an empty playing field that wasn't, you know, old baseball diamond area that wasn't being used for anything. And we started a little summer program there with the King County, King County Court System originally, um, have helped paid the kids to work in the garden, start building out the beds, and uh, they get credit towards graduation then while they're working in the garden. And then fast forward a couple years later, we added a big pea patch, the community pea patch program, and we sort of added a botanical garden that wraps around the outside edge of the garden. So that makes us more sustainable because there's people coming at all different times of years for different reasons. Because a lot of school gardens have problems where there's nobody around in the summer because school's out. And that's when the main growing season is, of course. Right. <laughs> uh, we just well, you know, maybe we could maybe do something different there. So we added the pea patch program. We've got 75 low-cost uh, pea patch rental plots where people could come and grow. We have a lot of immigrant families in there, all different types of people. It's about 80% people of color, families from our community. And so it's really interesting to walk through there and see all the different cultural crops they're growing from around the world. And we've got about seven languages spoken out there. And the kids we work with, too, are about 85% kids of color, um, facing all kinds of challenges. So we're providing them a healthy place to learn about food and learn about science. And the Botanical Garden also uh, helps teach about growing plants for pollinators and wildlife and environmental stewardship. So we're sort of a the combination of, of life. Yeah. And then the school garden we use to grow food for the White Center Food Bank. So we grow over a ton of organic produce every season for the, the food bank as well. That's with volunteers. Isn't that fascinating to hear how many different things you can actually do out of one garden? I mean, it's, it's what is it? What's the size of it? It's about 1.6 acres. It's an I old mean, playing field, basically, a baseball diamond, yeah. So it's not a giant piece of land. And all the things you do out of that yeah. with, of course, you need somebody like you, which is a very <laughs> strong driver, sure. leader, and innovator. And, of course, all the other volunteers you have, like Tram. Yeah, we've got some of our volunteers here today in the audience. And Hector, cool. too. Hector's, Chef Hector's here. We've got yeah. Tram from Eden Hill Restaurant. And you have all kinds of different volunteers. And, yeah. you know, volunteers are obviously important. But I think it's so cool that in an urban setting, like we, I mean, we live in a city. Yeah. And it's good that in an urban setting, most people who live in an urban setting 
are so removed from reality Very that they so. have no concept of how things work. Yeah. I think this is so cool to have a refresher yeah. and a learning experience for most yeah. to go there and see you know, how weed grows to start because weeds are all, around, all year round, so it's easy to see. Yeah. But all, how everything else grows. And like you said, the, what I really like about the Shark Garden is the fact that all these multicultural beds of different vegetables and fruits are growing around the Absolutely. place. And you're like, what is that? <laughs> you, as a, oh, let's hear. Uh, tell us what yeah. some of the crops are. Well, we work those. every spring with the White Center Food Bank to uh, sort of discuss with them what cultures are coming to needing their yes. services. And we grow some of those cultural crops that aren't available necessarily from the bulk food that the food banks get. So we're growing things like bitter melons. Uh, we grew burdock root last year, some unusual Asian vegetables. We grow fair number of uh, like tomatillos and chilies for the Latino families. Uh, we sort of you know f- try different crops each year too, so people could learn how to grow them. And like those beans we just got, yeah, try and brought that. Yeah, we did taste tests every week with the volunteers who are helping us out, so that people you know learn how to uh, use these ingredients. We have lots of chefs actually volunteer with us because they want to get to know the ingredients that we're working with and see where they come from and you know trace that whole journey from the ground you know to the plate. And that's important for the kids we work with, too. We've had kids that have seen a cucumber growing and not known, you know, really what it was. We had one kid say, "Why that looks like a pickle, you know. <laughs> and we said, well, yeah, that's, a, that's where you pickles come from. It doesn't from. matter where it comes from. As long as there is a, yeah. a correlation somewhere, you can make the rest yeah. of the track. And so we, he was kind of mad that nobody told him where pickles came from, but... You know, he didn't, he didn't have that frame of reference. And so our board member took him over to have him smell a mint leaf. And he goes, oh, that smells like chewing gum. <laughs> and, you know, his whole relationship with these ingredients were these sort of prepackaged processed foods. So we want to sort of interf- interfere with that <laughs> culture and get it back to the earth. And we find that, um, you know, they really connect more. And it's a therapeutic space as well for a lot of the people who visit and the kids, too. Right. I mean, there's not. I think it's very therapeutic to be yeah. in a garden at any time. So, Absolutely. Yeah, it's a great place for that. But what I really like is the education part of your yeah, whole have. last seven, eight years that you've been doing yeah. and keep on, you know, keep on growing that factor is so incredible. Yeah, we've built in demonstration gardens. We've got about 14 or 15 demonstration gardens spread around the area now so that each one uh, we're teaching classes, you know, free classes for the public on weekends and this year we just added a grain garden because most people don't know where grains come from. Mm-hmm. So we've got uh, 10 different little beds for grains from around the world, everything from quinoa to East African millet growing and oats and rice and uh, uh, sorghum, interesting wow, my things. My mind is blown. Yeah. Well, yeah. We're going to try to make... Pam, you know. Pam, this is what you call heaven. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to try to make, you know, a loaf of bed at the end of the summer uh, where we're going to practice winnowing and learning how to process grains. We're, we're either growing our own popcorn for movie nights in the park <laughs> later. So at the end of the season, Wait, we're going to... what kind of tree, where do popcorn come from? It comes from the popcorn tree. No. What kind of tree grows popcorn? Yeah, we're growing a little variety called strawberry popcorn. It's got tiny little red uh, ears. And uh, we're having movies in the park uh, later in the summer because we just installed a solar system too. 
And so we're going to have... Of course you did. Well, of course. As of one course. does, you know. Uh, yeah, we wanted to have solar power to be partly sustainable. We're off-grid solar. We just went live two days ago with that. And that also powers up our outdoor kitchen. So we're going to be having more cooking demonstrations out there, too. Invite She's chefs to come in. She's amazing. I mean, <laughs> it's so fascinating to listen to her because yeah. oh, every time I talk to her, she has something going on. Yeah. No, not one thing. You heard 20 different things going on at the same time. What about, do we have time to do the water before the break? We're going to do it right after we come back. Okay. Because I'm getting thirsty. (laughs) So are the plants. Yeah. Yeah, uh, By the way, growing anything requires only one thing. That's water. Yeah. You do need water to grow anything. So when we come back, we're going to go over that whole uh, water system and also all this intriguing plant that you grow. And uh, you brought some berries here that we just tried with Armandino. Absolutely fabulous. So we're going to talk about all this when we come back. Sounds good. Stay with us. We're on the Hot Stove Society Kitchen radio show in the Hot Stove Society Kitchen on Cairo 97.3 FM. All right, we are back at the Hot Stove Society Kitchen. You're listening to the Hot Stove Society radio show on Cairo 97.3 FM. I'm Thierry Rotiro, the chef in the hat. My co-host is Amandino Batali today. Tom Douglas is out of town, out of the country, and uh, Amandino decided to replace him. Good for you. <laughs> Thank you for ha- having me. My great pleasure. Great, great pleasure. So our guest is Taran Corker from the Shock Garden in Burien. And uh, make sure you remember that name and make sure you go visit that place because it is magnificent and it's also very... Um, it's just, just fun, fun to visit your garden because there's so many intriguing plants and of all different kinds. You had a question, Armandino, for Karen. About the uh, genetic modification of seeds. Mm-hmm. Where do you place that in your thought process? You know, a lot of the seeds that are uh, genetically modified or GMO seeds are more geared for commercial growers. You don't usually find them in small packet seeds or seed catalogs for backyard growers. So uh, we don't really we run into it very often, but we try to pick out uh, culturally sort of historic crops. Uh, we get seeds from all over the world, actually. Uh, we hunt down small seed companies who usually, you know, ideally grow organic seed you know, suppliers. Um, we even got some from Ukraine right as the war was Break it out. We had them ship over some Russian varieties of. Uh, they really got excellent varieties of pickles, you know, <laughs> pickles, cucumbers. <laughs> now I'm doing it. Um, cucumbers you, and tomatoes. I want to know the tree that produces the pickle. The pickle tree. Yeah, we got some pickle Come tree seeds. And they also have really neat uh, paprika peppers in Eastern yeah, Europe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so we're able to get seeds from places like that from Asia, um, around the world, uh, from small collectors, and then trial them in the garden to see what grows here in our climate. So we try to look for seeds from parts of the world that have similar climates. We've got a Latin America's food demonstration guard, for example. So the plants that are in there are from high in the Andes, you know, high up in Peru, for example. We've got yacon and oca and interesting berries. Yacon, what's that? It's like a tuber crop. I know, but I'm asking. <laughs> yeah. it's, it looks sort of like a sweet potato, but it's a, you eat it fresh as a tuber crop, and it tastes kind of like a mix between jicama with a little bit of ginger flavor in it. Really yummy. It's and really salad. delicious. Really and it grows delicious. like a potato easily. Yeah, it's real interesting. It's in the sunflower family, actually. It sends up big stalks that have like sunflower flowers on top, too. But yeah, we have over 100 berry varieties in the garden, over 50 fruit tree varieties. 
And we sort of, even our nat- native plant garden that uh, we have up in the corner has got over 30 edible plants that are native to the Washington State as well. Do you deliver to restaurants? How yeah. do you make a living? <laughs> we, well, we're a nonprofit, um, so we just live on donations that help us uh, support the uh, the garden a little bit. And then um, it's just right. our volunteers. We're 100% volunteer run still, so... Uh, we're trying to, you know... If someone wants to make a donation, mm-hmm. where do they go? You could, you could just do Venmo. You can find us on Venmo as uh, New Start Community Garden is our full name. The, so, shark, the shark Garden is like the school garden corner, so... So New Start? Community Garden, yeah. Okay. That's, that's easy to find us there. There's always somebody who's willing to help. Sure, that'd be awesome. Yeah. So... Yeah, right now we're looking for uh, funding for next year. We're going to be putting in a container patio garden demonstration is during the pandemic there was approximately like 20 million new gardeners in this country who were suddenly concerned about food security and the most searched garden topic was growing food in containers on google for the last two years wow there's all these people in urban areas that are detached from the food system they don't have access to land and they don't know how to grow food maybe all they have is a balcony so we're setting up a demonstration garden that'll have you know, little containers, different types of pots and things where you could, uh, you know, grow food on your balcony. Yeah. And ha- or, you know, we're going to create a class around that so that uh, we can show people how to do that. And it's also going to have a built-in chess table, which is kind of fun. Because we also had the Queen's Gambit during the pandemic, right? Nice. <laughs> so I have a lot of new chess players. So let's combine the two. And, yeah, uh, I, think, I think it's something I've mentioned that many times with Tom yeah. on the show about if you live in an apartment and you have a yeah. window... Uh, you know, stuff. you can just get a little planter and start with some, just a few herbs. Yeah. Get in touch with the dirt yeah. is number one. And then, you know, find a community garden where you can go and play in the dirt. Yeah. Start like that. And yeah. then buy a farm. <laughs> <laughs> All the farms have been bought up during the yeah, pandemic, exactly. unfortunately. But they keep saying there's not yeah. enough farmers anymore. There's not enough farmers. Yeah. You know, we need to... Uh, so just see how much you like it, and you know who yeah, knows you might fall a, in love a with. A lot of the reason people come and volunteer with us is to just try out gardening, learn for the first time, see what the ingredients look like, you know, on their raw form, basically tasting stuff and all kinds of good stuff. But we've also got like cutting edge, you know, technology going in. We've got a robotic garden going in one of our Stop greenhouses. You have a robotic too. garden? Yeah. We do. It's called a farm bot. We got funding from King Conservation District and Port of Seattle, and uh, we've got this farm bot going in. It's sort of like an automated f- robot that plants its own seeds, and then it waters them, and then if it's, <laughs> oh, it remembers yeah. where it puts them, and then if it's... Question. Some, yeah. Uh, first question. Does it eat it too? <laughs> no. We, <laughs> okay, we have to do the final because harvest. Otherwise, yeah. it's like, go, go do your own thing over there. Yeah, but it's solar-powered. It collects its own rainwater to water the plants and everything. So wow. We're trying to create more technology classes for these at-risk youth who don't necessarily have access to really cutting-edge <laughs> cool toys like that. Wow. So it's going to be really fun. This is so cool, too. Yeah. I love when science does good things like yeah. this. And we want to be the cool really kids. Help, <laughs> you can really help in an area where there is few people yeah. and lots of land to be able to cultivate different crops yeah. with a robot that would help. Uh, I think that would be a cool thing that could help. Yeah. But I can see also how it could be going the other way. <laughs> um, Should we finish up with water? I was going to ask you about the berry classes first. Oh, yeah. yes. You have berry classes? Uh, we were going to have a berry tasting tour <laughs> tomorrow, but the spring was so cool that all our berries are running about three weeks late. 
for har- you know ripening this year. A lot of our crops are. So what's running. the new date? I haven't got it settled for sure, but you could follow us on Facebook at the Shark Guard, okay, or on Instagram Shark Garden Burian. And we'll be posting all the upcoming classes and everything, too. We're also going to be teaching a sauerkraut and fermenting class this fall. We've got a solar punk festival coming to the garden. <laughs> solar punk. Yeah, we've got outdoor movie nights coming up, all kinds of really fun stuff. Oh, my. So do tell us about, before the break, Yeah, this is <laughs> we were just about to talk about water. Mm-hmm. How do you get water? What's the, what's the system you've got? Yeah, well, we've, we are hooked into the, the city water system a little bit, but we've also just... A, uh, installed a big drip system uh, so that all the beds are sort of automated on uh, irrigation systems so that mm-hmm. we're saving water and they can be watered in off hours. Uh, but the greenhouse that we just put in with the robot in it, it's going to collect its own rainwater. Mm-hmm. And we've also just got a hold of an air-to-water generator. So it actually pulls uh, humidity out of the water what? and collects water, and that's going to be solar-powered as well. Isn't that cool? I mean, yeah. you know what? They've been, they've been using that kind of stuff like sending a man to the moon. Right? I Why bet not? you that's what they're using so they can feed those people when they're going up. You know, all kind of genius science like this. Yeah, we love it. Uh, been used. It's just now we're using it in a system like this. Karen has it all in Burian. Congratulations <laughs> to you. Taryn, you're a magical no. person. Thank you. You need support. Again, well, one more time. Somebody wants to send money sure. or help. The nonprofit? Yeah, on Venmo, uh, it's New Start Community Garden. Uh, we're in the business listings there instead of the personal listings. But And do take your kids or your yeah. friends. Go visit the Shark Garden in Burien. It is a, yeah. piece, a masterpiece. Yeah, you can shoot us an email to info at sharkgarden.org, and that comes to me. We can set up a tour for you and your friends. We actually get matching funds for grants when we show people around, so... You could bring your work party, say, do yeah, some team building. for your tours. Yeah. <laughs> we make, you make yeah. time to that, but... So do charge. We're, we're trying to be Thank affordable you. and accessible to everybody. So have a big job. Yeah, but the yeah. people that have money, you need to charge. Yeah. Well, so you can <laughs> provide it to the people that don't. <laughs> we'll put a jar out for you, Pamela. <laughs> most, most importantly... Wonderful work. I mean, well, thank you, Jeff. Yeah. I mean, oh, with everything you do. Yeah, just, we really appreciate your support. Oh, no problem. You yeah. get my support, no problem. Yeah, Please keep excellent. teaching people how to play with dirt and grow something. Yeah, we love it. There's actually like beneficial microbes in the dirt that actually act on your brain chemistry similar to Prozac. Oh, so, Similar to Prozac? Yeah. I'm sure that's going to be heard very well. You heard that. Similar to Prozac. Come garden with us. Come and garden. (laughs) It'll improve your mood. All right. Thank you so much for being with us. The Shark Garden. Shark Garden in Berlin. Please go visit. Thank you so much, Terry. Coming up next, we're going to talk with Armandino Batali about stories from France, Italy, and everywhere else. Stay with us on the Hot Stove Society Kitchen Radio Show. On Carol 97.3 FM. We are back in the kitchen at the House of Society radio show. And uh, my co-host today is Amandino Batali. A very famous, famous, famous Italian-American man here in Seattle. And uh, the grandfather of them all. Grandfather, yeah. Not just a father, you're the grandfather. Grandfather. And uh, you have so many great stories. <laughs> I don't even know where to start, but I know that Pam has a couple of questions for you right at the beginning, right off the bat. But I want to hear stories about you and reminiscing of, of probably Salumi, which was your 
place for quite some time where you became very famous in this town because of making such beautiful charcuterie and salamis and all kind of cured meat. And of mm. course, then decided to sell it to the public by doing your sandwiches and lunch and all that. But you have so many great stories aside from that. And, and we're going to talk about this. And Pam, did you have a question for Armandino, you said? Let him get started and we'll see if we have time. Okay. One of the, there's many stories and, and theory would relate to these because of his experience in the restaurant business for 30 years, 20 years, and Tom too. One that we talk about alcohol, we used to have a private dinner every Saturday night for 12, and we were booked for a year, and it was a crazy evening, but one night we had 12, uh, six physicians from one of the local hospitals and their wives Halfway through the dinner, we teach them how to make gnocchi or pinchy or something, so they learned something and drank a lot. And uh, halfway through the dinner, we'd have them go for a little walk just to make sure their appetite continued and a uh, little alcohol wore off. And they, we had an accordion player that I, a good friend of mine, and he would play the accordion and go around the street with them. <laughs> Anyway, here's oh, So you actually went outside the restaurant? Oh, yeah. We went. Took a walk? Oh, yeah. Took a walk. <laughs> and you remember where Reservati, which was a wine place down the basement, crazy place, we'd stop there for a glass of wine <laughs> <laughs> and then come back up. But anyway, we get back to the restaurant, and we're missing two. One couple. <laughs> they happened to be, well, this is part of the joke, was a urologist. So that left a lot of room for characterization. We finally had the cops go find them. They were two blocks on the wrong side of the street, and they'd had a little bit too much to drink. Wow. We, we, you had a good story. Yeah, we, we called the cops. We couldn't find them. It was t- 10 o'clock at night, you know. And yeah, it's not the square. Find your square. Yeah, you wanted to, keep, you wanted to find them. <laughs> There's another one was one of our most famous restaurateurs would bring, he'd come in with 12 people, and um, he always paid cash. So we'd have 10 or 12 courses, and they, they happened to drink, I think, 21 liter and a half bottles of wine. Ooh. I mean, it was serious. We almost had to cut them off. We didn't. Anyway, he goes to pay the bill, and he rolls out this rolls of dollars and, and pays it. Healthy tip and everything. But when he left, I, I was cleaning up, and or we were cleaning up, and here's six $100 bills on the floor. Wow. When he, That's worth cleaning the floor. <laughs> so I, I knew what, what had happened. So I called him the next noon. I said, are you missing anything? Oh, no. He says everything was wonderful. I never told him until he came in again, and I gave him his 600 bucks. Oh, that's very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Good guy. But he wasn't missing it. No, he wasn't. Well, the wine, it is. Yeah, the wine. The wine is always famous for that. Yeah. Anyway. That's what I wanted to ask, because I'm an Italian wine lover, and I'm wondering uh, what your favorites are and what your go-to you know, there's a wine available right now. I'm probably the 
bigger salesman right here at Costco, and it's four ninety nine for a vino grigio from Italy. Wow! Did it's you say four ninety nine? Four ninety nine. Wow! It's incredible. Wow, and I trust your (laughs) palate, absolutely. Yeah, made in Italy, everything. My favorite wines are uh, Montepulciano and... uh, Very friendly. um, I guess most of them. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Dolcetto. Montepulciano and all of the above. (laughs) You know, Mario owned the grapevines in Montepulciano for, for years with Joe... And they had some incredibly off-the-cuff wines. Uh-huh. Off the, we're good. Yeah, I must say that often when I go to a restaurant and they have mostly Italian wine, Montepulciano is the first yeah. place I look at. I know more, a lot of people look Piedmont and they look at yeah. Big Tuscan. And, and, but I'm, I'm the same way. I'm a Montepulciano guy. I like, good. I like, uh, uh, no, I, I'll remember. I that. like it because to me, it feels like a food wine. Yeah. You know, a lot of those Tuscan... It Tus- certainly is. A lot of those Tuscan are so big that I'm like... Yeah. Often I feel like it's a lot. But Montepulciano are very friendly. They're very... If you're having a, a nice homemade pasta, you know, fresh homemade pasta yeah. with tomato and maybe some ground beef, you, I mean, that's such a beautiful marriage. And Amarone, you know, is pretty strong. I, it's right. okay, but I don't know if I answered that. You, you answered it There's so many, so many so good. What's, do you have a favorite area in Italy to go to? Oh, I love Tuscany. Uh, my dad was born in Lucca. There's not a bad area in Italy. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody, I said the same thing about France. I'm like, well, maybe the north. Yeah. Like, the food is distinct in most areas, like Umbria is the meat curing facility. Uh, Bologna is probably the best food restaurant in Italy, restaurants, I think. There's a my friend the butcher in uh-huh. Tuscany. I mean, every area has something. Sicily is becoming very, very popular. Right. And anchovies and pasta and that kind of recipes. They, they really use the, the land and the water right, right. really well. Well, that's what you have to do when you're a small island. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, true. It's not that big. You know, it's like you have to survive out of what's it's around true. you. You, can't, you don't have much of a choice in that matter. Plus, it's very arid of a terrain so yeah. can't grow much stuff you know it's like it's not like you have that leisure growing yeah. pastures and all that stuff it's too dry couple stories uh <clears throat> we had an office in in italy under under me and and um, any newcomer that would come to europe to work we'd always send them to naples oh for their first <laughs> Entry into Europe. Most of them came from Burien or uh, Tacoma, <laughs> or you know. So anyway, one of there's a couple of stories. One is one rode a, a motorcycle or a by a, a bike, electric bike to work, and the, the the company that we dealt with was six seven miles out of Naples. Anyway, <laughs> first day. He, he he had bought a ten dollar Rolex at the, at the a ten dollar Rolex. $10. That's a real Rolex for sure. At the port, and you can buy Omegas and anything for ten. They're hot <laughs> deals. Anyway, he's driving down to the Maritima, which is a waterfront drive, in his motorbike. Some guy comes and steals his 
watch right off his hand. And boy, he was ready to go back to Tacoma. I tell you. He was scared to death. I mean, we're, we're laughing. It's not funny when it happens. Yeah. You've got so, to test their metal, though, to see if they're, yeah. they're ready for the job. So that was when you were still at Boeing? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, they are a crazy story. So, food memory by any chance from down oh, there? Yeah. Lots of food memories. Naples? You said Naples? Well, Naples, the pizza, of course. But yeah. <clears throat> Sorrento, all along that Amalfi Coast, seafood was so good. Yeah. Incredible. And it's so beautiful out there. Yeah. Pictures. Yeah. And then you go up north to Maggiore and Como. It's a whole different lifestyle. Right. In fact, uh, when we put work into southern Italy as a result of a plane sale, they wanted more labor in southern Italy. So the Italians started building up. They had com- They had factories in Milan or Torino, they would say, all right, we're moving our work to, to Naples. And they couldn't get anybody to work, to go, because <laughs> the wives didn't want to go. They had to, they had to train new people from the right. south. Right. Very loyal, loyal. Yeah, very regional. It's, it's like, yeah. that's a micro region, basically, yeah. and, and it's very... Everyone's very a prime minister. Right. <laughs> that's the Italian for you. And the bills are big. Yeah. I love, that's one thing I love about the money. The bigger the bill, the bigger the amount, the bigger the bill. Oh. Can't get wrong. Can't get wrong books. with that. Yeah. My, all right. All that's, right. That's great bunch of oh, memories. And I'm so glad you came today Thank with you. us and joined us as a co-host. That's more than anybody could ask. Huh? You guys are a wonder, all three of you. <laughs> Always a pleasure having you, Amandino. <laughs> all right, coming up next, we're going to have a tasty trivia questions, our little game that we play every day, every week on the show. And uh, so stay with us on Cairo 97.3 FM. We are back in the Hot Stuff Society kitchen, and we're going to play our little game that we do every week. Tom Douglas is not with us today. He's in Scotland playing golf. Instead, we have Amandino Batali here co-hosting with me. Thank you for coming over. Amandino, appreciate that very much. Thank you. And uh, our guest, who's going to probably kick our butt, Amandino, is <laughs> Taryn Corker from the Shock Garden. And I heard from Pamela that the theme is... Herbs and plants. I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> this is going to be great. I'm going down, chef. We're not talking knobs of butter today. No. No cream, no, no quiche, cream. No, no. Nothing like that. Huh. Rob With Love Tasty Trivia is brought to you by Rob With Love, a small batch of versatile rubs, sauces, and mustard that bring extra layers of flavor to just about any meal. Use them generously as much as you can and use it in creative ways behind the label description. Our listener can find Rub With Love locally at PCC, Met Market, in, and in West Seattle Thriftway. Or if you are headed east on over I-90, you can visit the new Gemini Fish in Clearlum and Thorpe Fruit and Antique Mall. Wow. And I've been at that yeah. place many times. <laughs> because when you come back from the east side, you stop at Thorpe and get something to eat and something to bring back home. 
All right. Our prize today. What is the prize today? Well, our winner's going to be an audience member, okay. Hector, an aspiring cook and chef, <laughs> and he gets to pick whatever rub with love he wants wow. from our shelf. His name is Hector, very promising individual in the kitchen. <laughs> and uh, He's going to go home with some spice rubs today. Right now, he's a demi-chef. He's almost a chef. Yeah, he does great. a demi-chef. He does Half. beautiful work, chef. I've seen pictures. He does pictures. beautiful work. Yeah. <laughs> and, he works, and he goes a volunteer at Shark Garden. That's right. What an individual. Beautiful young man. Pam, you want to tell us how that works? Yes, my three contestants today, Taryn, Terry, and Armandino, are each going to get five questions. And someone's going to get the most right. And yep. then there'll be a loser. There will be a loser. <laughs> the big L on the forehead. All right, I'm going to start. Show All them right. how it's done. <clears throat> Number, uh, I'm going easy on you today. Multiple choice. Oh, I like multiple choice. What is the most popular vegetable in the United States? Artichoke, zucchini, broccoli, or Brussels sprouts? Broccoli. Yes. Uh, what was the artichoke? There is no way artichoke. <laughs> no, I'll save the easy ones for him. I'm giving him the easy ones. Yeah, I yeah. want him to win today. You get the hard one, Armandino. Yeah. You, you get more experience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. You're going mean... to get the hard ones. Uh, the, city, the U.S. city of Chicago takes its name from the Native American uh, word Chicaqua. Another name for which vegetable? Squash. <laughs> Wrong. Okay. Your choices were what? <laughs> Wild garlic. Chicago. I was like, okay, squash. Kale, carrot, or eggplant. And the Wait, was, I'm sorry, what are the three options? Wild garlic, kale, carrot, eggplant. Really? I'm going to go with the uh, wild, what was the first one? Wild what? garlic, you wild are garlic. correct. <laughs> the second time around, we'll give it to you. Kimchi is a Korean dish typically made with which fermented vegetable? Napa, cabbage. Yes. Doing great. Which of these vegetables was the first to be grown in space? Radish, potato, or peas? Radish, potatoes, or peas. I'm going to go from watching uh, the movie, The Martian, or whatever that movie was... <laughs> He was growing potatoes. You're correct. I'm going to go with potatoes. It was potatoes. Yeah. Potatoes are pretty easy, aren't they, Terry? You have to have dirt, though. I thought the dirt would be too heavy to take to space. To space. Because you can grow peas, you know, aquaponically without dirt. Yeah, you can do peas with no dirt, but potatoes, not so much. And your final one, which is the national vegetable of the United States? Do you want multiple choice? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Kale. Pumpkin, chili, or artichoke? <laughs> I like the artichoke. It's back. Well, we don't have the artichokes. That's good. Did you say chili? I did. Interesting. Um, I'm going to go with uh, pumpkin. You're right. I think that is five for five, five today. For five. You're getting the hard ones. All right. <laughs> she should. How about you? How many robots does it take to cultivate an acre of land? <laughs> I bet you she would know the answer, too. I'm like, no way. <laughs> um, what is the name, Taryn? What is the name of the vegetable that is also a beautiful flower? <laughs> the artichoke keeps coming back to home. I know. <laughs> what is Do you know how many there are? There are plenty of those. I know. I think you could give any answer yeah. and be correct. You don't have any, like... 
broccoli <laughs> choices. You know, it could be broccoli. It's. I, I was looking for broccoli, but I think artichoke also yeah. qualifies. Yeah. Cauliflower. Yeah, I mean, there's so many flowers. Brussels sprouts. What this one is a complete surprise and tricky. Okay. What fruit has more protein than any other? It's avocado. Avocado has yeah. the protein. Um, spices like allspice, black pepper, paprika, and vanilla are derived from what form of the plant? Seeds. Berries. Yeah. Yes. Seeds inside the berries. Seeds and berries. Vanilla is like an orchid bean, right? And you scrape the pulp around from inside that bean. Are we giving it to her? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, What country has the highest annual per capita consumption of cabbage? I'm thinking maybe, yeah, something Baltic or Russia, maybe. Russia is correct. Bravo. (laughs) Which of the following statements about carrots is not true? Uh, They help you see in the dark. They originated in the United States, and they are made up of 96% water. I love the the LPC in the dark. (laughs) That's a contaminated carrot right there. (laughs) Don't feel like they have that much water. They don't. No. No. 96% is cucumber. That's like a grape, right? Cucumber. (laughs) None of the above. Oh, wow. None of those are true about carrots. Five out of five. We have two fives. (laughs) Armandino, you're up next. You're going to need a tiebreaker. All right, Armandino. Which, uh, multiple choice, which of these botanical fruits is legally a vegetable in the United States? Eggplant, green bean, tomato, or okra? Tomato. Yes. Where did Swiss chard originate? Spain, Switzerland, Ethiopia, or Norway? <laughs> oh, hell's bell. Swiss chard. <laughs> How about Switzerland? Yeah. Spain. Oh, I should know that. Which of the following statements applies to the Jerusalem artichoke? Uh, it's not an artichoke. It's a sunflower. It is indigenous to North America and has no connection to Jerusalem. It is used to make brandy. <laughs> Which of these apply? Number one. Number one. It's native to the Americas and... Uh, it's also, what, a sunflower family? Yeah. Talk about that. Sunflower, yeah. Yep. All of the above. Oh, all, oh, of, all of the above. Oh, you can make brandy with it, too? Oh, yeah. What else? Well, Armandino could. Yeah. <laughs> you can make brandy out of just about anything. We'll set the still right here. <laughs> what vegetables make up the Scottish dish neeps and tatties, typically served alongside haggis? Is it turnips and potatoes? Carrots and leeks, broccoli and potatoes, or cabbage and parsnips? I think it's the first one. You are correct. Turnips and potatoes. Good. Um, according to popular legend, which vegetable is thought to repel vampires? <laughs> Onions, cabbage, garlic, or eggplant? Oh, and garlic. Of yeah, course it is. Yes. Those are good. Um, if you want to be part of the show, you can join the community on YouTube Live at Tom Douglas and Company or come and be part of our live audience. Come on, live audience. We do have a live audience. And uh, you're listening to the Hot Stove Society show on Cairo 97.3 FM. This show is produced by Pamela Inkley 
Pamela, thank you so much for a great show today. Sean McFadden, Sean, thank you so much for beautiful work. Sean DeTore, well, you're not here, but thank you anyway, because you always make us look good. And Tom Douglas, who's not here, but hope you're having a great time in, in beautiful Scotland. Also, remember, if you miss any episode of our Hot Stuff Society radio show on Cairo 97.3 FM, you can listen via podcast. Just subscribe with your favorite app. Thank you for listening and have a fabulous weekend.